You're listening to Work Tape, episode 79. Welcome to another edition of the Work Tape podcast. It's your boy, Money Mitchell. We got Isaac Ruben Grover, and uh, we have a really good one for you guys today. The last couple episodes, we were talking about artists and specifically posthumous releases from deceased artists, which led into a conversation and a general idea to talk about artificial intelligence as well within music, because uh, over the span of basically kind of the last really five years, we've seen a tremendous rise in artificial intelligence being used specifically within music and in a lot of cases to, I guess, in a way, resurrect some of these dead artists and kind of give people an idea of like they were still making music, what they might sound like. Um, to me, it kind of comes off a bit like just an audio deep fake um, where they were able to kind of stitch together bits and pieces and, you know, kind of create um, basically kind of a illusion of the artist, but not really them in the flesh and, I feel like there's not a lot of soul to it, probably because it is artificially generated. But the interesting thing is also is that they're tending to do this with artists that are still alive. I've seen various TikToks and Instagram reels and whatnot where they artificially create a song if, you know, like put Juice World and I don't know, Nirvana together. And what would that sound like, you know, through artificial intelligence or you know, oh, if so-and-so was still alive, you know, this is how they might sound making music to this day. And honestly, while it is kind of a cool experimental thing to get how these artists might be kind of sounding, I, I do think that it does cross somewhat a little bit of a line in regards to to dead artists. I feel like it is kind of the same thing that you mentioned, Isaac, which is kind of to let the dead artists be dead. And to kind of remain dead and be at peace, as opposed to trying to continually, I don't know, push the envelope and whatnot. Well, I think it's the most respectful thing to do. I mean, not everyone's going to do that, but I mean, that's just an ethical thing. Right, right. And the weird thing is, like I said, is that they're also doing it for artists that are like still alive, too. Um, that's the thing that's a little bit weird to me. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess with artists that were maybe like taken before like their musical prime, I guess I could kind of understand it. You know, for example, like Jeff Buckley was somebody who died like way before, you know, he was, you know, through leaving his musical legacy. And so I guess with that kind of situation, I can kind of understand a general curiosity as to like, oh, what if he did continue to make music after, what was it, 1994 or 95 that he died? So in a way, I understand that there's a, a, a fascination with that. But if the artist is still alive and is still making music, that doesn't really make sense to me because they're still releasing stuff and it doesn't gel in terms of like, they don't have that curiosity there because it's not like that artist is not making music. They still are. You know, it seems to be a thing where if it's someone within the last maybe 50 years, I think it's just a little bit weird. Again, that's opinion. But if we did something with like George Washington, you know, that's different. 
I mean, we don't know how he sounded, but I'm just saying, you know, his likeness, I guess it's kind of up for grabs to an extent. And even some people would find that unethical as well. I mean, it's pretty far removed from the present, I would say, you know, so something that's like 50, 30, again, you know, even Kurt Cobain, I just think it's really weird. And I think it's even worse because, you know, of how he kind of went out. Mm-hmm. And so I think context really matters here, especially someone like Kurt, how exploited he is post-death. I think that the AI thing just adds even more insult to injury. And so I do think it's case by case. And I think with certain people, I think it's just kind of messed up. Whereas other people, it's kind of like, okay, it's definitely just a joke. It's not like anyone means any harm. But, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not necessarily the AI so much as just perpetuating the exploitation of people. Right. It's more of like a psychological thing or more of like an ethical thing, as you were talking about. It's not even necessarily like a criticism of the use of technology. Totally not. No. And AI is cool. I have no problem with it. Yeah, because the technology actually and some of the tracks that I have heard are really good. Yeah. For what it is in terms of kind of like a rough recreation of, you know, an artist or whatever, some of them are are actually pretty accurate. And it's getting to the point where it's almost scary in terms of how accurate some of these ones can be. Um, But that kind of leads us into maybe kind of the next section of this, which this is something that you have a fair amount of experience with, Isaac, of course, is the rise of chat GPT. That's exploded right now. I mean, like in terms of just YouTube videos of, you know, especially within music of putting in the chat GPT to create this type of song or, you know, to write these kinds of lyrics or whatnot, to come up with even chord progressions. ChatGPT can even come up with chord progressions too. But I mean, you have a lot of experience in this area. So I might let you kind of just go ahead and go off on this one. So in many ways, I'm pretty new to the technology, but in other ways, I'm really not. So I don't know if you remember the chat and aim days, AOL. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a throwback for sure. But yeah, I have some rough memories of that so you remember smarter child right uh yes yes exactly yeah so i mean as far as i'm concerned that's like the earliest i can remember that i had an experience with any sort of ai or bot chatting or whatever you want to say i mean even microsoft sam remember that voiceover on windows yes yeah so those were like the robots when i was younger Mm -hmm. i wasn't really that young either by the AIM days. Mm -hmm. Now here we are today with things like ChatGPT and Jasper AI, which I actually use Jasper AI. It's pretty cool. But ChatGPT kind of, it's different. And so, you know, there are differences between them. They are similar, but you use them for different purposes. Now, ChatGPT's knowledge base, it's the last two years that it doesn't have any data for people to really pull from. So it's kind of weird. I don't understand why, but I need to look into it again. Bottom line, it's definitely a powerhouse for research. And I think these tools are really best used for research rather than just straight up cloning. But again, you know, we have AI and these different tools. So people are going to do, they're going to try to clone. And of course, the humor and the fun is mostly in hearing and seeing this technology duplicate ourselves to an extent. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is that people want to do it for other people. Right. And so honestly, that's where things get really unethical and really weird. Yeah. So 
I think for educational and demonstrative purposes, I think these tools are very useful and I think they're very cool, but I only think that they should exist within that. Okay. Even comedy to me is educational and demonstrative. I feel like comedy isn't necessarily always harmful. It can be. Comedy is definitely more than most mediums, in my opinion, a double-edged sword due to the fact that either just stays a joke or someone takes it seriously and they use it or they misunderstand the joke, right? You know, I mean, if you make a really offensive joke, if it remains as a joke, then no harm, no foul, right? But if someone takes that joke seriously, like with a certain group or whatever, then someone can get harmed. Right. And so I think comedy is a double-edged sword. So it could be just educational or just for observation, but it could also be misused. But these things aren't inherently wrong. They're not inherently bad. And I think they are necessary. It's just, are you going to put a knife in the hands of a two-year-old? <laughs> but are we going to ban knives all of a sudden? And no, I'm not saying that we should do away with it. I'm saying most people, I don't think, are going to be responsible with this technology. Yeah. Because it does open up a slew of personal, like intellectual property and certain like, you know, problems. It's bad out there. So it's cool, you know, as education and as demonstration, but really it's only cool within that. Yeah, which kind of leads back into the idea of potentially having artists and or lyricists or songwriters in regards to, you know, will chat GPT, you know, be used in a songwriting situation? And from what I've found from the research that I've done and just kind of my mild use of it is that it seems that kind of for songwriting, chat GPT isn't nearly as strong as it is in some other aspects. I'm not sure exactly what it is in regards to maybe the algorithm or something, but sometimes I've looked at the lyrics that it's like generated and they're awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're really awkward as opposed to songwriting in the traditional sense or the old fashioned way, even though, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily old fashioned if it still is the current way of songwriting. But I feel like with a chat GPT, it's really good for giving you like ideas. Like, yeah, it's really good for giving you information or in terms of if you're doing like kind of more straightforward writing, you know what I mean? In terms of like, you know, gathering information and consolidating it. But in terms of like actual lyric writing, I don't think it's really going to take off because when you have, if it was able to generate, you know, the types of lyrics that, you know, we have been coming up with for, you know, hundreds of years at this point, then I feel like it might be a legitimate concern. But because of the way that it's come up with lyrics and how it's a bit disjointed and not, you know, necessarily flowing. And of course, since it is an AI thing, there isn't as much, you know, emotiveness behind it. I don't think it's really a a big concern in terms of... Or a threat, if you will. Yeah, I don't think it's a threat to songwriters and lyricists and whatnot. I do think that actually ChatGPT and um, similar AI lyrical generation tools such as Lyric Studio, I think they do have uses for sure. And I think the use is going to come more from getting out of writer's block. I think that's kind of where I see the use really coming in. Yeah, it's an idea stimulator for your brain. Yeah. 
so for example, you know, if you or I were creating a song or if we're creating a song together and we say, you know, that we want it to be about these different topics or these different emotions and we put it into chat GPT and it spits out this song or this idea rather, you know, we can look at it and we can almost take, you know, maybe some bits and pieces that we like if there are a couple lines that we like. But in general, it might be something where it's like, oh, okay, you know, this is, you know, an interesting way of doing it, but let's reword it. You know, this is giving us a basis, of course, for the song, but we're going to reword it in a way that makes sense to us and whatnot. And I think that's kind of where you might see the prevalence of AI in terms of music creation, because that is one of the biggest obstacles and challenges as a songwriter in today's modern age is writer's block. You do feel like so much of the great lyrics have already been conveyed. In terms of music making as a whole, I feel like so much music making now is taking familiar emotions or taking familiar sentiments and just rephrasing them differently. And that's the reason why so many songs are about love and relationships is because you know, of course, it does sell heavily, but also there's just different ways of rephrasing and reiterating this, the same concept kind of familiarity. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I agree. There's definitely a format and a formula to it. It's definitely a template. It's the same idea, but just rehashed over and over in a different way, different person, different groups, whatever. Pertaining to the AI concept. I agree with you on most of it. The only area where I'm definitely adverse is a lot of AI, at least that is publicly available to us, and certain pieces of AI like chat GPT or pieces of property, whatever you want to call them, are allegedly in their infancy at this point. And so what they serve for us right now is not necessarily what you would call impressive. But I do think given time, because chat GPT, at least to my knowledge, is built off human communication. And so the more that people feed into that, quote unquote, the stronger and the smarter it becomes. And so right now, what you're saying is totally applicable. It's really not that impressive, but it's impressive enough where it's interesting. But given time, I definitely do see a lot more happening due to its potential, even right now. It already does a lot, but I agree. I think for certain things, it's just not going to do it that well. Now, that's what I'm saying. Chat GPT, I'm not really using for song creation or lyric writing. And so for those who are interested in using it for songwriting and lyric generation, it really isn't that impressive. I mean, it's interesting, like you said, but you're right. It's not really an adequate tool. In fact, there are better tools out there for those applications, even though I would say that that's the greater sum, right? I mean, it's not just chat GPT, it's Jasper AI, and it's a lot of these other tools that you just mentioned. Yeah. So in theory, yes, AI is more advanced than we think, right? Chat GPT is not the only piece of the pie. Right. And so we see other tools, which it's still the greater sum of AI, you know, advancing or whatever you want to call it, you know, or seemingly advanced. So just kind of a side note, I don't know if you know Ocean, the producer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's the UK guy, right? Yeah. Ocean Ganger Drown. Yeah. The, he's really good. I love him. He's great. Yeah. 
Very good. Nice. And his hair is better than mine. Bottom line, he uh, used chat GPT and he was talking about asking it to give him some songwriting ideas and it gave him a chord progression. And I don't know, he seemed to kind of be unaware of how he used chat GPT. I don't know if he misapplied the directions that I was trying to tell him. And he was even saying that, like, I don't know if I'm doing this the right way, right? So there was an unclear element to what he was doing, but he was still doing it and he was getting some results. And so chat GPT will actually give you some ideas for songwriting. But so far, it's just chord progressions, right? And it's cool. Like chord progressions are only going to be as powerful as you use them. In fact, chord progressions are probably my favorite songwriting tool because for me, lyrics aren't as important as the chord progression. If I can write a chord progression that sounds emotional and kind of grabs you, then for me, the lyrics don't matter as much. And that's just my opinion. But my argument is that a lot of songs from the past, you don't need the greatest lyrics to get someone's attention. You just need to write a song that sounds really cool. And so again, I'm not insulting great lyricists out there, but a lot of the songs that we love, we don't even know what they're saying. And that's a good or a bad thing. It's typically a bad thing. Sure. Bottom line these AI tools really are just for uh, stimulating a new idea like you were talking about, but they are well on their way to becoming more than what they are right now is what I'm saying. And in using this tool too for work or non-music and non-audio related stuff, which is other work of mine, there are certain prompts that you actually use with at least chat GPT where you unlock more of its potential that the average user wouldn't understand. So there's also that. That's a big thing. I'm learning how to prompt the AI, if you will, the right way. It's like a teacher. A student really is only as good as his teacher because even if a student is better than his teacher, if he has a bad teacher, then it doesn't matter the potential of the student, right? So it's a bottleneck. Right. And so for a lot of people, actually for chat GPT from user to user, the people are the bottleneck, not chat GPT. So that's a big thing as well to keep in mind when using these idea generators, if you will. Sure. And I'm very curious to see exactly how far it can be taken to in that respect. I think actually if it can be, you know, improved over the course of time just to, you know, continue to generate great ideas and to stimulate the mind in the right way to really help especially people who are like starting out, I think with, you know, established musicians and lyricists and whatnot, they're not really going to need necessarily to continue to use an AI thing, you know, AI software or or whatnot. But I feel like for those who are like kind of just getting into it, um, I feel like it can be invaluable the only question or the only kind of thing that's going to be up for debate, especially as AI will progress, is will it progress so far to the point that people start to use it as a crutch? If that does happen, that's when I will start to be kind of legitimately concerned is if people start to use it as the only way to really start generating you know, ideas or to really, you know, rely on it heavily as as a crutch, like I said. However, I think kind of with human nature, I don't think that that's even really that much of a possibility, just because with how we are in terms of human nature and psychology and whatnot, and the human mind is a, a brilliant thing too. What's the quote? The human mind is a terrible thing to waste or whatever. 
The only problem with the human mind is how influenceable we are. Yeah, influenceable, impressionable, biased. We're biased too. Remember how? Um, and again, this is not even mine. I have no wisdom at all. But a student is only as good as his teacher, and so the only way I know, I think it could possibly go in that direction, which you're saying you don't think it's going to go. Yeah. Is if again, think about a whole generation of children being brought up with these tools. I'm not demonizing these tools. I'm saying if a whole generation of kids is brought up with these tools, but as like a default way to generate ideas, then I do think that yes, that will be the norm. And so I think a lot has to do with just how we educate. Sure. And I mean, you can make a similar argument in the respect that the way that you and I create music is different than how people that were born even 10 years before us create music. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, you can make that point across different generations because the relationship or the dichotomy of like technology in music is huge. Like the real advancements, both in kind of the industrial side of music, but then of course also in the creative side, have been kind of pioneered and powered through technological advances, you know, going from, you know, recording on tape to recording all digitally, you know, when in the case of, you know, we talked about in 82, you know, how the Nightfly was one of the first digitally recorded albums ever, you know, that was a huge thing. Of course, the invention of different instruments such as the Lindrum and the MPC, both created by Roger Lynn, and especially the MPC in regards to music creation and sampling and basically birthing um, hip hop and birthing genres. And now you have the point with the MPC where you have uh, artists or players who are trying to emulate the feel of an MPC. And it was funny because the MPC was trying to emulate actual musicians. So that's a weird kind of vicious circle in itself how the MPC or a lot of these, you know, drum machines were meant to mimic like real drummers or, you know, um, real musicians. That was Roger's vision from the beginning. Yeah. Right. And then you have real musicians now who are trying to play like an MPC or who are trying to, you know, structure their songs like they're sampled, which, you know, we want to talk about, you know, the master of sampling. And this is a bit of a preview, everybody, for what could be next up is, of course, Jay Dilla comes to mind with that. And I remember watching an interview with Questlove where he talked about how after being in the studio with Dilla, his drumming style completely changed. Yeah, the drunken kick. Yeah, the behind the beat kind of feel to it where it's like it's slightly off the grid. Was it running away? Was it that one that he was talking about in the club? Do, 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 do. Like that weird kind of like kick that he was talking about yeah yeah the far side yeah because the far side record came out before the roots album did but the roots didn't really get in with dilla until things fall apart and that whole like soul Quarian era where you had things fall apart like water for chocolate mama's gun and voodoo all being recorded simultaneously at electric lady studios um, which is of course hendrix's studio 
So it was kind of just a real like lightning in a bottle music uh, moment for music in that respect of just having so much creativity flowing. But that's kind of an aside and, and that's a real preview for what ultimately could be an entire series that we could do on Jay Dilla. We've been talking about Dilla for a while. We're totally talking on that. Well, it's overdue for sure. Totally. No, we're going to do Dilla. We're going to do a, want to do Elliot Smith. I mean, there are a ton. Um, I mean, Bob Marley has been overdone, but I think it's nice to look at a different side of him anyway. So I'd like to do him as well. Yeah. But kind of back to like the whole AI thing, at least my conclusive statement for this one, I kind of relate it to the Tupac hologram. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely get into like the thing of that in the next one. Okay. Well, I guess maybe, okay, then how about you start to kind of close this out and we can touch that one in the next one. Yeah. um, So to kind of close things out here, you know, there is this very interesting dynamic. And honestly, there's a very interesting relationship regarding music and technology. And as you said before, Isaac, with the AI kind of being in somewhat of almost an infant stage, it's going to just be, you know, time will tell, I guess, in regards to how influential AI will be in the next generation of, of music makers. Yeah. That's a big factor. Kind of with that being said, that's going to conclude this edition of uh, Work Tape Podcast. Uh, it's been your boy, Money Mitchell, Isaac Groove and Grover. Stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to be talking about some more AI controversies and specifically more of the kind of resurrection side that I kind of mentioned before. But of course, we'll also talk about some various experiments in regards to the use of AI and uh, stay tuned for that one. So peace, drink plenty of water. Drink plenty of water, peace.